Hi, welcome to the show. This is 90s Core. I am Lisa Monahan. And this is Andy Clodfelter. Hallelujah, it's 90s Court. It's true, and this is episode 48. 48? 48. You guys, you have any idea how close we are to 50? Can you do the math right now? I don't think you can. One, two episodes, that's what it is. Two, I graduated college. Oh, three. I went to college. <laughs> <laughs> no, you Mr. Owl, you're one. wrong. Yeah, it's... Mm. Yeah, you're wrong, Mr. Owl. Welcome, guys, to 90s Court. Um, This is a show, if you have not listened before, hi, welcome to the show. Um, If you've not listened, then we are um, a show where we talk about 90s nostalgia, movies, TV, Mm -hmm. uh, comedy, We talk about the frequent communists of the 90s. So many commies from the (laughs) 90s. And then we take two of those things that we like, like movies or something, and we put them up against each other and debate them. And then you, the listeners, vote on Facebook or Twitter and let us know. Or you can talk to me on Instagram because I run that. And it's kind of slow over there. But we had a fun week because it was our one-year anniversary. Our sweet baby podcast, 90s Court, reached one years old. It did. And we had um, like an Ask Me Anything. And people kind of brought it with the questions. Yeah. I think, who is it? Kevin brought the Pokemon one, which I butchered. I was glad. Thank you. I was glad to at least show that I'm semi-competent in that, in that regard. <sighs> But yeah, given it was on the spot and I was at work and so I was like just trying to quickly answer a lot of them. I was like, uh, I don't know. I threw Doug Trio in at the end for my for my uh, six lit and realized afterwards it's like that was a pretty weak pick. But um, well, I mean, but they got that like that dig attack. That's yeah, that's strong. That's the thing is it's just such an easy, strong dude to have right off the bat. Um, so, hey, um, so, yeah, like I (laughs) I was telling Lisa before we got on here, just like. It just feels like I just feel like somebody kicked me in the head today, which isn't bad energy wise. It's just a weird energy. I've just got this weird like kick in the head, uh, super tired, but yet just on raw nerve energy today. So hopefully you all are going to enjoy that out in the listenership. So I think it'll be interesting to say the least, to say the least. Um, How is you? So you've been kicked in the head. I sprayed myself in the face with a water hose earlier on accident. Okay. So that's how my Sunday's I mean, going. mine, I wasn't literally kicked in the head, but I, I appreciate the comparison. I just think, yeah, I mean, I, I always think of it as like a horse kick, too. Not just like a person Aww. karate kicking. So it was a horse kick to the head. So Fun. Um, but yeah, I sprayed myself in the face with a water hose. Good. And. The end. I've already ordered tacos for dinner. So that's how, <laughs> that's how my day is going. <laughs> it's like, it's it. Everything else is canceled. Tacos tacos um yeah we did meet up and i just just mentioned we're still doing daring adventures podcast uh for those of you who are interested it's just daring just search daring adventures on your podcast app of choice check it out dnd actual play podcast it's a fun show even if you've never played the game it's just kind of like oh this is an interesting story um but yeah we just recorded a couple more episodes super good i'm really excited about those although it'll be a couple weeks we record two at a time it's almost like that's like a really good idea to just be like, hey, so in case we ever need to take a week off, it's not a problem. That's actually a pretty good. We'll have to remember. No, no, I can't you, do we that. Can't, we We're, can't. I'm do too it. exhausted. Yeah. After one episode, I'm totally gutted. Yeah, so I'm done. Um, so. So, hey, we've got a couple things for you here today. Uh, but before we get to those, um, I did want to go back because we haven't done this in a while to our Apple podcast reviews. Um, do, 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 Andy's podcasting reviews. Um, Good. That's not the segment. It's never been a segment, and I just made it sound like it was to people who are new listeners. It's not. I just made up that thing. Yankee um, ingenuity. So we like to bring a couple uh, Apple Podcast reviews just to remind you guys that we absolutely love it when you bring these out here, when you leave a nice five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts, even if that's not your podcast app of choice. It means a lot for being able to be found, be located, and be suggested to people um, by leaving those reviews. And, honestly, we just like reading them because they're neat. So, I'm going to bring a couple here to you this week. Recently from the month of July. Okay. What a fun show. It's true. These guys have a blast with my childhood. We do. We just take this person's childhood and just have a blast with it. They make such a great pair, and it's easy and fun listening while working from home. Well, that's good to know. I'm Thank glad you, that person. it's good even when you're not on the road. Um, new listener for life. Damn. Boom. I just listened to my first episode, MIB versus The Matrix, and I'm hooked. 
I found Ooh. this podcast through Instagram. I like that. That's the reaction. Like, ooh. No, no, oh. not not you. Oh. Like, ooh, okay. like that's the one. Ooh, all right, love. no, no, no. I'm not shitting on our show. We do all right. <laughs> okay, I found this podcast right. through Instagram. See, Lisa's out there killing it on the IG. Hey, hell yeah. Um, I really enjoy the lighthearted approach to their film reviews. That's fair. The hosts have great chemistry, and the audio quality is wonderful. Looking forward Thank to you. listening to more episodes. And that's Dan for E two U, and the first one was from J May eighty six. J May eighty six. So okay. a thank you as I bow deeply to them. So again, if you guys want to have your Apple Podcasts read on the air, um, like I said, just hop onto iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever is easiest for you. Leave us a nice five star rating and review. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you. Um, Donka. The end. So now the it's end. time for the actual show. Um, so like we mentioned before, before the po- the court case, which comes in the second half of the show, we do like to bring a couple of things from the 90s that maybe need a little bit of coverage, but maybe not a full court case. So mm-hmm. Lisa, it's up to you first. What do you got? I am going to ruin your life today. You say you that ready? every time and it just my life is, I guess it is it, true. Like my life has gone in a downward spiral since I started with you. So it's true. So, if you want to sign off now, I understand. Yeah, I, know. I would you, not. You, you, you yeah. I, I appreciate <laughs> the thoughtfulness of just stopping before the "Come on, Barbie, let's go party." No one needs it, but see, but I was gonna save us from that. You did not save us from and that, and then you I, did it, I did, you it did it anyway. I did it anyway. See, that's why I said hmm. I'm ruining your life. Yeah. You thought it was gonna go well for you. The it crazy well thing to you. me is I cannot believe that we have not covered this before because that is such a fucking insane '90s thing. It's a huge, it's a crazy 90s thing, Andy. And like when it, I mean, there were a lot of one hit wonders in the 90s for sure. It seems like we kept throwing one hit wonders like left and right. Um, but Aqua is the band that made the song mm-hmm. Barbie Girl and it was released on May 14th, 1997. Mm-hmm. They are a Danish dance pop band. Did you know that they were Danish? Here's the thing. I didn't know they were Danish. I didn't know what country where they were from, but I was like 100% they are like, some weird European <laughs> band. Yes, they, no they way that's the United States. They were not of this nation. No one named Soren is from like Wisconsin. So Wisconsin specifically <laughs> is a Wisconsin. very weird name to be called Soren. Yes, yes, it's a very weird place. So yeah, uh, they came Aqua, Aqua, the Danish pop band. They released Barbie Girl in 1997. Seems like a lot. Of, it seems like our podcast is really heavy on the late 90s, but there was some wild shit that went down in that time frame. So it was off their debut album Aquarium, and this was by and large their biggest hit, um, making making them seem like a one hit wonder in the U.S. Um, it was huge in Europe, of course, but maybe not like that big because it was only number one for three weeks it seems kind of short i don't know that just seems kind of like a short run it also somehow did not hit number one in the u.s which i was suspect of hit number seven Mm. on the u.s billboard hot 100 so it just seemed like it was the only song anyone played for a really long time yeah it's also like the, the reason that people played it was never like hey don't you guys enjoy this righteous jam it was always listened to ironically at least in my at least in all of my experience it was always listened to like it ended up being a dance song and it still mm-hmm. is like they'll have like freaking like uh drop like heavy drop beats versions of that song now mm-hmm. like at dances and stuff just cuz it's dubstep, still dubstep dubstep yeah barbie that's girl. what for. <laughs> dubstep barbie girl 100% Where's the Skrillex remix of Barbie Girl? Is Skrillex still doing anything? Has he taken a shower yet? I honestly, I don't know. I know who Skrillex is. You'll be proud of me for that, but I don't. That's um, good. I don't know. Making tremendous strides. Tremendous strides. So, Huge strides. So the song was apparently written after one of the bandmates named, bandmates named Soren uh, actually saw an exhibit uh, on kitsch culture in Denmark that featured Barbie dolls. And so... Um, if you haven't heard the song, A, what's wrong with you? Mm. And B, what's wrong with you? Mm. Uh, but it's a song that's about the dialogue between Barbie and Ken, right? And, of course, they didn't float this by Mattel at all. And Mattel was like, hmm, I want to throw you a lawsuit. And so they did. And I don't know who won. Probably Mattel. I would imagine so. <laughs> like, there's no wiggle yeah. room. You just, you just made a song named after a thing. 
Yes, capitalized with all the like Barbie accoutrement and like everything. It's like you weren't even trying to. You didn't say like I am a doll girl. I'm 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 Barbie girl. I'm Barbie girl. So and of course you have Ken. So yeah, it's undeniable. So I'm I'm sure Mattel won. I didn't see the the nooks and crannies of the lawsuit there, but I'm sure Mattel won. Right. So it sold more than eight million copies as a single worldwide MBD, and the lyrics are as such: I'm a Barbie girl in a Barbie world. Mm-hmm. Life in plastic, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. You can brush my hair, undress me everywhere. Imagination. Life is your creation. So maybe the like undress me everywhere probably rubbed, no pun intended, Mattel the wrong way. Um, and the verses, I'm a blonde bimbo girl in a fantasy world. Dress me up, make it tight. I'm your dolly. And then Kenny comes in, you're my doll, rock and roll through the glamour and pink. Kiss me here, touch me there. Hanky panky. Hey, Danish people, we don't say hanky panky. No. Unless we're like, unless it's 1968 and we're trying to talk to our children about the birds and the bees. And we use every method possible to not actually say the word sex. We try really (laughs) hard to not say those things. Yes. So that's, that's a, let's see, make me walk, make me talk, do whatever you please. I can act like a star. I can beg on my knees. Then Ken comes in. Come jump in, bimbo friend. Let us do it again. Hit the town, fool around. Let's go party. And if you haven't seen the video, it's just the the female singer, um, surround like dressed as Barbie and like doing all like in a pool. And she's got like the Barbie dream house set. And she's pretending to be Barbie. And like at one point, they're dancing around, and like they're holding hands, like dancing around the room. And Ken accidentally pops out her arm, which is actually pretty funny. Um, but it's just just a wit. What, sometimes you're just like, what was going on? What was going on in this decade? What were we? How did we get to a Barbie Girl song? How does this happen? Nothing like that happens anymore. How did this happen? I don't know. How it's every just, day? It's just, I mean, like, yeah, that's the thing. Is like going through this decade and you just realize, like, how much, like, stuff that was just so insane but i mean like you think about like i don't know like gangnam style or whatever like there's different yeah. things like nowadays that still are pretty weird but like it just felt like that was like it was a much bigger deal because there was so much less content in general that was weird yeah and it was just yeah it was just a quick little uh, yeah it was just a little dance hit song from from the danish folk and that's i i don't know i really like in my heart of hearts i wanted this to be part of a court case there's really no way for it to have been because there's not much else to say it's like it was just a song you thought it was big it wasn't it wasn't (laughs) so it just i don't know it just seemed way bigger than me yeah but that's uh that's barbie girl and if you if it's stuck in your head for at least 36 hours and you're miserable and you can't sleep at night then i've done my job now it's andy's turn tag you're it okay so thank you lisa um man i'm still just like i was so wrecked by the momentous like emotional lyrics of that song that i was like just my brain was on overdrive trying to figure out what it all means um but now that i've had some time to clear my head i will bring you my thing which okay it's also Barbie uh, Girl. I, I just kind of thought I was like, this is actually a pretty good vein um, because I, I think I brought brought you something similar to this a couple weeks ago okay. um, because it was appropriate. And so I was like, you know what? I could do this for just whenever. So there's certain things. Maybe it wasn't as big where y'all were. But being y'all. someone from Illinois, um, a sports fan from Illinois. Okay. A, a good good midwestern boy who loved him not only some comedy but also some football i had the greatest appreciation for a running snl skit that went from 1991 to 1997 particularly 91 92 was when it was prominently featured and then, of course, they've had some bringbacks like over the years when other s- significant sport things have happened when they've showed up elsewhere. Um, okay. So that is why I wanted to bring you a little bit of this. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another edition of Bill's Worthy. Yes. and I want to thank everyone for sending those cards to my brother, Bill, who recently had another heart attack. 
<laughs> we are coming to you live from Ditka's here on Thanksgiving Day, a day for giving thanks or or taking punishment from a team that is known as Stoppers. Stoppers. Okay. Oh I I really thought I I, I really thought it would get to the part where they all introduced themselves before that, but it didn't. So so yeah, so this Such is life. Bill Swirsky's super fans, which is funny to me because Bill Swirsky uh was the character in the very first episode, and then every other one I think was Bob Swirsky was took over because I believe it was um I believe it was like a uh basically um Joe Montagna. Uh, it was a skit originally that he I'm was. I'm sorry, Montana. Joe Montana. Yeah, it's a different. He's it's an not actor. Not Montana. No, there's Joe Montana, oh. who's a football player, and Joe Montana, who's who's an actor. Oh, oh. oh and so oh, he played oh. Bill Swirsky in this, along with uh, Chris Farley as Todd O'Connor, mm-hmm. Mike Myers as Pat Arnold. Which the crazy thing is, I had seen that a million times. I did not know that was Mike Myers. Oh really? And Robert Smigel as Carl uh, Wolarski. Um, oh, I didn't realize that was Smigel. Yeah. I'll have to go back and watch that. Yeah. And then, um, let's see, uh, Kevin Nealon made, so there's a lot of people that made a bunch of different things, but basically the premise of this is that it's this, uh, like sports, uh, radio broadcast or whatever this like, uh, f- from fans, uh, in Chicago who meet in this bar called Ditka's, um, and they, uh, are eating, uh, copious amounts of sausages, meats, uh, God, I just so much food. It's like the the table is just covered with so much food, and all of them are extremely obese, <laughs> have huge like just handlebar mustaches, uh, sunglasses, and some of them do, and are all decked out completely in Bears gear. So obviously, like I said, as a Bears fan, um, we always love this because it's always been a thing like that. Like you know, in the back in the obviously in 1985 is when the Bears won the Super Bowl, one of the best football teams of all time. Um, and so they brought this thing in 91 to 92, um, which was interesting because that's right around when the Jordan era came. And so they actually did, I mean, the Jordan era had been going on, but that was when they started winning the, uh, the championships. And so they did also have a a Chicago Bulls one, um, as well, where they were all wearing, uh, a couple of them were wearing Bulls gear. Oh, it just rode itself. It's so fantastic. Oh yeah. And so it was just, uh, it was kind of funny because it was uh, like, I guess Robert Smigel, um, the, the, the backstory to this is that he moved from New York to Chicago in 83 to start his career in comedy. I'm guessing Second City and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, he made a visit to Wrigley Field to see the Cubs play and he noticed the prevalence of large men who wore walrus mustaches <laughs> and large sunglasses. Similar, yeah. A similar look to Mike Ditka at the time, who had been hired as the city's NFL t- um, as the coach for the Bears. And he said there was this weird swagger among all these virile-looking men. And he said all, all sports fans kind of have it. And it's just, there's, it was such a good, like, it's one of those things that not everybody in Chicago has an accent like that. Like, even very few, I would say, do. But, mm-hmm. it, but for the people that know those people that do talk like that, it was so good. And it was literally, like, this thing that the Chicago Bears, like, got this identity, like, Bears fans and everything like that love super fans like it's not like a thing where like oh they're making fun of us or anything like that because they 100 percent are but like it was never perceived in that way because it was hilarious and like so people would dress up as super fans like i remember like when i was in high school they had like stage show which was like where every year at the end of the year there would be these like you know people do musical performances uh you know piano acting dance lines like and all this stuff and then just skits and like you know performances and so I know at least two of the years um, that I was in high school there, they did a super fan switch off, but it was like for the Sages, like our, our home team. That's right. I was our home team, Monticello Sages. Um, and, uh, and yeah, so it was always like, it was very ever present in, in the minds there. Um, and obviously again, the fact that Chris Farley was in it didn't, didn't hurt either. And, no, you know, the, well, he's just so fantastic yeah. at, at that. Yeah, exactly. That and, you know, the best character. of Chris Farley, you know, like I said about that, like obviously those were included on some of those. Um, but there's just different things that were so popular, like the I'm looking. He says he's like when he starts choking <laughs> and is always like, I had another. Do you have any heart attacks, Bob? And he's like, oh, I had two, you know, just to keep like. <laughs> yeah. So it's. It's during the whole thing, there'd be different things that they would say, because obviously, duh, bears is the most prevalent one. 
But mm. then, like, they'd, you know, when beers were coming, it'd be duh beers or doubles or duck cups. And there would just be all of these different things, including just, it was always like these ridiculous things like, what's your prediction for this week's game? And it'd always be like, Bears 62, New York 0. And it would just be like, and they would just progressively get more insane. And anytime somebody said, like, even if they were like, the projection was them winning by like 30, they would like get scolded for not doing enough. But it was always like these guys basically idolized Mike Ditka. Um, and they were absolutely incredible. Um, so I don't know. I mean, there's there's like a million things I could talk about on this one because there's so many different skits of this. Um, I shared the one from the Thanksgiving episode. Obviously, there was the original. Um, and then there's, you know, several other that are pretty noteworthy as well. But uh, throughout time, um, there have been, like I said, bringing back different versions of this. Like in 2003, um, let's see, there was another skit including Bart Swirsky, uh, who is Bob's nephew, played by Horatio Sands, who oh, appeared Horatio on there. Oh, Horatio Sands. Oh, I miss uh, him so much. Let's see. Uh, George Went uh, returned in Superfan Garb alongside Ditka for a sketch prior to Super Bowl uh, 40, which was where the Bears, the uh, Bears, no, wait. Uh, I don't, I think, I'm trying to confirm because it's 2006 or 2007 uh, where the Bears played. So I think it was the next year. Then the uh, they again had a thing where the Bears played the Colts in the Super Bowl. We didn't win. We lost. Um, Oops. And then just spoiler alert. And in two thousand November, <laughs> this one's great. In November of two thousand eight, ESPN ran a segment featuring Bill Swirsky discussing Ditka's real life possible run for a U.S. Senate seat in two thousand and four against Barack Obama. Um, oh my gosh. Ditka ended up deciding not to run and Obama won the seat, but evidently they just had Bill Swirsky in, on ESPN <laughs> to discuss uh, the, the probability of it and how it would go for them. And I mean, there's been other things like commercials have included them and all that stuff, just people like playing to nostalgia of that of those skits. But they are amazing. They were a freaking blast. And uh, like I said, it's just, it's one of those things that for us in particular, like it was. Not even just then, but even now, like you could reference dub airs and it would just immediately bring back uh, visions of those skits. So, um, so yeah, Bill Swirsky's super fans. There it is. Andy, we need to, in an episode, okay, okay, because okay, there are a lot of things that you and I did not cross paths on mm-hmm. in the 90s. It seems that SNL is something that we did. And I think in the future, we need to have like a purely SNL episode pure snl yeah but i'll, I'll say this he, you're gonna be surprised when you find out how little snl i actually know because it. for the most part it's a lot of stuff that were on best of videos and stuff like that or ones that like my friends were obsessed with so that i ended up watching them like on recorded vhs tapes or something like that like I, it's not Dang that it. i actively went and watched a lot at late at night there were ones where it was just certain skits so yeah sad face dang it well, we're never gonna cross paths in the '90s. I don't even know. I don't. I don't think we shared the same decade. To be to be honest, I we don't just know. we just but share different halves of the same of the same whole. We're yin and yang. I guess. Together we are the '90s. Together. And all their ugly, ugly truths. So. Well, thank you for that, Andy. You're welcome. I appreciate that. So, Any mention of '90s SNL is a happy mention of '90s SNL. Yes. So, so. hey, gang. We have an announcement to make. This episode, episode 48, is the end of the show. (laughs) Sorry. Thanks for sticking around. 48 was a weird number to end on, but here we are. Um, No, but but similar in nature. So we are, um, this is actually the end of season two. Um, Similar to the end of season one, which was back last year. I think near the end of the year, last year. Um, We are going to be releasing this episode, and then we are going to be taking a couple of weeks off. Um... Just honestly, for sanity's sake, we just to be like, hey, look, we're just getting a, a week, a few weeks of just enjoying ourselves. Um, in that time, though, we are going to be releasing a Patreon exclusive um, for all of our wonderful patrons. Those of you Woo-hoo. who are not on that, we have a bunch of people that are, and it's great. Those of you who are not or want to know more about that, we have tons of back catalog um, content for you guys to enjoy. You can check us out at 90scourt on Patreon.com. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, we're going to be taking a couple weeks off and then we'll be back with season three, uh, to get you guys more content here in a couple weeks. 
Woohoo. Excited. Yeah, I, I need it. We're about to start homeschooling, like proper homeschooling, Ooh. which I've never done before. So I'm going to need these few weeks to uh, not set my face on fire. Which so would be weird guys. if you did that, but I, I'm glad I'm glad to know that you're not going to do it. Some people have different coping mechanisms than others, Andy. That's all I'm saying. So, Facts. yeah. So. so cool. All right. Well, let's take a break. We'll come back with uh, episode 48's court case, and then we'll wrap up this season for you. Sound good? Awesome. We'll see you back in a bit. It's back, it's back, it's back, it's back. It's 90s, 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 90s. Court, it's court, it's court, it's court. That doesn't, that's not an echo. That's not, that's me just saying just things people. in a weird syncopated fashion. Um, I dig it. Welcome back from the break, everyone. We're so oh, glad you're still here. If you're not still here, you're not hearing this. And then in that case, I, I'm not going to say fuck you, but I, you know. Well, uh, why would you not be here? This is a court case I think many here? people have been waiting for. Why wouldn't you be here? Yeah. Um, what are you? And if you skipped ahead to this, that's fine. <laughs> I'm not that's gonna, also fine. That's, that's fine. fine. It's you cool. missed Barbie Girl. Maybe you should go back and listen yeah. to Barbie Girl. Yeah, hey, you shouldn't do that. Don't do that you to yourself. You're Barbie Girl or super fans. Um. <laughs> so hey, everybody, as always, we had an episode last week as well, and uh, we since Lisa Pants was kind of the arbiter of that case, uh, I'm gonna go ahead and let her tell you a little bit about uh, what happened. Okay, last week, Winnie Houston versus, Mar- versus Mariah Carey. Um, apparently, it was in the energy waves of the whole world because a, a little man called Timbaland mm-hmm. on Instagram apparently also had the same thought process and also had a like Mariah versus Whitney thing on his Instagram page. Don't believe me? Go look it up. Check it out. And and I don't know if who who would have won, but it, it seems to understand that this was a really damn good, even by someone as like in the industry as Timbaland himself. That being said, Whitney won. I'm not totally surprised, a little bummed because I really thought this was like Mariah's decade and some people got it. Some people mm-hmm. were like, no, Mariah like brought it. Obviously, Whitney had a lot of hits, but like this was Mariah's decade. Well, whatever the case is, Facebook gave it to Whitney Houston, sixty-three to thirty-seven percent, and then Twitter gave it to Whitney Houston as well, fifty-eight to forty-two percent. So, no surprise. Yeah, as long as you guys know, I did have some very strong feelings about this, so I appreciate you guys supporting my very strong feelings <laughs> about this, and not He's Whitney Houston's number one fan. I am Whitney Houston's number one fan. I have made it very clear that I like those pipes. I like those Celine Dion pipes as well. So Okay. My, my. A lot of mm-hmm. things being discovered in this episode. So, yeah. Um, pipes. There it is, Whitney Houston. I, I, that was a long time coming. I really wanted to have Mariah Carey in a court case at some point. I got it. She lost. That seems fair. That's, but, that's uh, the one okay. thing that kind of stinks about this is you have to make the cases like – two big things against each other and so like there have been a lot of things that like it sucks when they lose like power rangers losing like sucked but we we paired it against the ninja turtles what did we expect to happen like there's so many things that like that just that were huge things and it's like wow you really paired it against that i'm like yeah like we weren't gonna pair it against like some show you've never heard of like it had to go against something comparable the one that's still strange is the the huge loss of pete and pete yeah, I mean I that's that's the thing that is one. it's one of those things that people who watched it and and if you liked it loved it and are like just insanely in into it. Um, but if you just but a lot of people just didn't watch it. I mean it was early '90s too, so um, yeah. So I get it. That's I mean fair. I also got it in the fifth round of that draft for '90s Nickelodeon shows. <laughs> so, yeah. um, but anyways, you guys know why you came here, what you're here for. So let's just get to it. Something just came across my desk. What up? It's court time, baby. So and this is the last one of the season. It is. I want to say one. quickly before we do this, because um, I think I've forgotten to give credit at least one other time. Like, because we don't do a lot of suggestions. We, if we do take suggestions, it's largely from our patrons, which this is one of them. Um, so I actually got the idea. I mean, it's one of those things where like you knew of both movies, but you just didn't even like it. Just didn't connect. Like, hey, we should put these together like right now. So our dear friend, our dear patron Nate. Um, had randomly suggested these two and he didn't suggest a ton either which is good because like I hate when people are like here's 47 ideas and I'm like yeah like one of those is okay he just suggested one and it was just a freaking world beater right off the bat so I mm-hmm. um, brought it up to Lisa and uh, and she said yes that and I'm going to go ahead and throw myself under 
the the bus from speed mm. right off the bat. Um, I was originally in charge of the big the big Lebowski for this. Tell, court tell case. when, like how long ago? I mean, surely that was like early in the week that you said. No, oh, it was I need like yesterday afternoon. Hmm. And and I and I but I I watched like half the movie and guys I'm sorry I don't like the Big Lebowski I try it's it's not the first time I tried to watch it I've tried watching it a few times it's like I don't get it I don't get it because it's a Coen Brothers film and it's full of an amazing cast like I'll let you get into all that yourself uh-huh. but like it's it's an unbeatable cast there's no this is gonna be like ninety five percent. Big Lebowski to five percent Kingpin, and it's, I'm going to be the Kingpin vote. It's just one of those things but where like, it is hard to think of someone who's like, I love Kingpin, like, and I also don't like the Big Lebowski. Like, it's just such a rare thing. But who knows? I don't get it. I don't get it. There's nothing on paper. I should be in love with it. In reality, no me gusta. I don't know what to say. I don't no know what to say. Gusta. So no me gusta yet. So you are first. In this court case, I no one's going to want to hear anything about the Kingpin anyway. I'll still represent no, it. Dude, I watched it. Kingpin's but... a great movie. Like, don't like, yeah, don't is throw it? shade at it. It is a yeah. I really like Kingpin. Okay, well, see, well, whatever you like. Let's. Just, I guess you just like. <laughs> Lisa's bowling. covering her thing. Li- I love bowling movies. Um. So yeah. So I... that's they're actually the reason we're doing this gang is because they're two comedies from the 90s based on bowling and you're really not going to find like any other not going to find many other sports like that that are no. like especially bowling like it's like so few and it just happened to be that both of them were were good flicks so yeah and from so, the 90s so. well i will let the, the obvious winner go first thank you so i will be covering the big lebowski uh, so despite Lisa's attempt to surrender, I am going to be coming at her full force with the with the rage of a thousand suns with the big Lebowski. This movie freaking rules. It is like I will say this does as it? far as noting. Yes, it does. As far <laughs> as taking notes on it, it's very difficult because it is like it, it's not all over the place like in the end. But like during the time, it's just kind of like. Hey, here's the thing. Hey, look at this. Hey, we're here now. Hey, like, and it, so it's just kind of all over the place. So I am going to go over a little bit of the story, but it's hard to do that in a succinct manner. So please bear with me. Sam Elliott starts out, he's narrating the story of the dude who he met um, in California. The dude, a.k.a. Lebowski, Jeff Bridges, is clearly a very simple man who enjoys drinking white Russians and bowling and literally nothing yes. else. <laughs> And just being chill. It's a good life. It's a yeah. good life. Uh, the movie starts and two dudes, um, two dudes, I didn't even realize I put it that way. Two people are in the dude's house and are immediately beating him up. Jacob from Lost? That's right. One of these random dudes that was beating people up was Jacob from the show Lost, which he's in a lot of other stuff too, but that's just where I know him from. Okay. I'm not sure if you ever watched Lost, but it's one of my oh. favorite, it's it's uh, it's uh my favorite show of all time. Anyways. Um, he's basically saying, where's the money Lebowski? Uh, so he's beating him up and then they realize, Hey, this isn't, this is, this is not the Lebowski you're looking for. Um, and so the dude bowling with, um, the dude, uh, I'm going to keep calling the dude and it's going to be really confusing. The dude, which is Lebowski is bowling with Walter, John Goodman and Donnie, Steve Buscemi. And so Mm -hmm. they're kind of some of the main characters. I would say, uh, the dude, Jeff Bridges, and John Goodman are kind of the main characters. Talking John about how Goodman. the rug really tied the room together, and a real and the real Lebowski, the big Lebowski, needs to pay for the dude's rug. Mm-hmm. So he ends up going there to to the to the big Lebowski's house, and Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, who plays Brant, the butler of the big mm-hmm. Lebowski, evidently Mister Blasky is loaded, super famous, paralyzed, and evidently, despite him being this great guy on paper, he's actually an absolute cunt. Of course. Always. He refuses to pay for the dude's rug and acts super high and mighty about it and just shits on on, on uh, the dude. So the big Lebowski is screaming at him to get a job as he leaves. The dude then tells the butler that he can take any rug in the house, which he does. On his way out, he meets Bunny Lebowski, who is clearly a super promiscuous woman who obviously has no, no in- interest in the big Lebowski just using him for money. In Played fact, by Tara Reed. Tara Reed. Always, always unusual to see her. Yes, and offers to blow yeah. the dude for a thousand dollars, and he's like, "I gotta go to a cash machine." Um, so anyway, so they go back to bowling. So this is the thing: is this is kind of like any time that you're not in intense action, they're at the bowling alley bowling. Um, and so there's the scene where, <laughs> just to mention a few things, where uh, with Walter, where over the line, uh, he's like, "That was a good scene." Yeah. He's like, come on, man, market eight, dude. Smokey, this is not nom. There are rules. Market zero. 
<laughs> he's like, he's like, no, nah, man, market eight. And he's like, Smokey, my friend, you are entering a world of pain. <laughs> he pulls out a gun, and there's that whole scene. You're entering a world of pain, market fucking zero. Um, so, anyways, that uh, just that was just one of the few scenes. I mean, that's the thing; it's impossible to cover everything, but it, we'll, it's it just is. the story. It is, yeah. The dude gets summoned to, back to the Big Lebowski's house, where he's crying and sitting in this very emotional way about this speech about how uh, Bunny was kidnapped. And he needs Mister. He needs uh, the dude to be an envoy to to help with the ransom, and he'll give him like twenty thousand um, dollars. Also, just because it's notable, because he's in this, they go back to the bowling alley afterwards, and the Jesus, the Jesus, uh, John Turturro is in the movie, and it's weird as fuck. Uh, he is also known as being a known sex offender or a pederass, as Walter calls him. Uh, so clearly uh, tries to make up for it by being cool at bowling. Um, he dresses in pink, licks his ball, and it's just overall very, very strange. But he's a hilarious character and very memorable. Um, also, Donnie, I mentioned, like, Steve Buscemi is hilarious. Like, because he's just, literally every conversation, he never really, like, they never have a conversation with Donnie ever. It's just, Donnie just sits there and, like, contributes things to conversations that Walter and, and the dude are having and ha- never knows what's what they're talking about, but he'll just, like, throw in facts or say something that clearly shows he is not listening to the conversation properly at all. And then um, he gets, like, what is it? Oh, and he gets, up, Donnie. you're out of your yeah. element, Donnie. And yeah, he just gets berated by Walter constantly. Um, uh, the, uh, the statement uh, after D- Jesus uh, goes up to them and says that he's going to beat them at bowling, says, yeah, well, you know, that's just like your opinion, man. Which I only, <laughs> only mention because I do that a lot. I love that expression. It's just like your opinion, man. <laughs> um, so the dude, so they're going to go uh, to the to make the money drop for the uh, kidnapping, for the, you know, the the ransom. Uh, the dude gets the page. Yes, the page, um, the page. On a pager. Topical. To show up to do the money drop. Throwback. Yep. Uh, he meets up with Walter, who has a ringer, um, a.k.a. a fake briefcase full of uh, old laundry. They're halfway to their destination, waiting to get a call on a car phone. Yes, that's right. A pager and a car phone within like a minute of the film. Um, so good. So Walter is just freaking out and saying that these guys are fucking amateurs. Um, and we get to the bridge. Walter throws over the ringer and says, I'm going in. He's like, what? And Walter's driving. And so, like, the dude tries to grab the wheel and contain it as Walter rolls out of the fucking car with an Uzi. <laughs> and the Uzi do. spins in circles, firing. Um, and then the guys on motorcycles take off with the briefcase and go. Um, meanwhile, they have the actual briefcase that's that has a million dollars in it. And at the end, like after all that happened, the dude is like, "That poor woman." He's like, "Fuck it, dude, let's go bowling." I love <laughs> so, it. Uh, so they decide to go back to the bowling alley. They have the case with a million dollars in it. Um, they finally come out to notice that their car is missing. Um, so the dude calls the police, but obviously can't tell them what was in the car because why would he have a million dollars in a briefcase? Um, while sitting there, he gets a uh, call on his uh, answering machine uh, from Maude Lebowski, who says she's the one who took his rug. Um, someone had knocked him out previously. I forgot to mention that scene. Somebody knocked him out and just took the rug back um, a while back. And uh, and so it was gone. So he's going to go meet with Maude Lebowski, who evidently is the daughter of the big Lebowski. Maude, who is played by Julianne Moore. Um, is a very powerful and assertive woman who is fairly eccentric and sexual. And I say fairly sexu- eccentric. Yes. So I say that because yes, she's very eccentric, very sexual, and all about the female form and everything like that. Um, that scene of her coming like zip lining down with paint. It's like fucking excuse yeah, me. Yeah. It's very weird. Oh boy. Does the female form make you uncomfortable, Mister Lebowski? Um, so Maude ends up making a deal with the dude as well to help her out. So there's so like so many things going on. Like dude, the dude is just like, I just want this to be fucking over. I just wanted to get my rug back, and like all this fucking shit is happening. Um, he gets home and is immediately grabbed by the driver of Mr. Lebowski, who is livid because the kidnappers didn't get their money, um, which is ironic. Yeah, so they they because they threw the ringer. Um, so Big Lebowski shows shows the dude a toe with green nail polish, um, which is supposed to be Bunny's toe. Um, Walter, uh, he meets with Walter afterwards, and again, Walter's not buying it. Once again, calls them fucking amateurs. You want a toe? I can get you a toe. <laughs> that was a like, good, yes. Yeah, I would, I would I actually a like toe. a toe. Thank you for yeah. offering. So, 
And then after that, the dude is home in a bath, relaxing, smoking a J, because that's he just smokes joints all the time. The t- and may I say, the tiniest The J's. tiniest. So tiniest, tiny. Um, so he hears a message on the answering machine saying they, the police found his car. He's like, far out. And then suddenly three people come into his house um, and drop a weasel into the tub with him. I think he said it's a marmot, but I don't know what it was. Uh, ferret. And then basically threatened to cut. Okay, ferret. And then threatened to cut off his Johnson if he doesn't get them the money. Um, he goes goes to the police, to the to the impound, gets his car, but the briefcase is gone. Fuck. Um, he goes back to Mods, who is once again assuring him he that she wasn't really kidnapped because the police, because the people who kidnapped her and showed up at the house were clearly all uh, three people who know her. So there's no these nihilists or whatever who know her. So they're like, why would she? Why would they kidnap Bunny Lebowski? Um, while driving home, there's just it's just every scene. There's just more things happening. Yeah, and I think I think that's why I didn't like the movie. It's like, wh- why are there so many moving parts? Yeah. Is it necessary? It didn't feel in the end. There's I mean, kind it's of a funny, point to but it's it, not but it necessary. is it is it yeah. is weird at the time. So while driving, he finds a crumpled up piece of homework tucked in his car with the name of a kid on it. With it was like clearly not intelligent because he got a D on this on this paper. <laughs> um, and so Walter ends up looking him up to find out where he lives. So they confront this kid who is just this emotionless, unspeaking kid, and they think he spent the money, like the million dollars or whatever, to buy this brand new bright red car outside. So Walter goes out and he starts beating the shit out of him. He's like, you see what happens, Larry? You see what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass? And just starts beating the shit out of this car. And then this this random guy from next door is like, what are you doing to my car? And then he beats the shit out of Lebowski's car as well. Um, So, again, the dude is spirited away to one more powerful person. He goes and meets with Jackie Treehorn, who is a wealthy film producer, uh, including some some porn that Bunny Lebowski's been in. He wants to know where Bunny is and thinks the dude knows. Basically explains, hey, you know, this kid stole the money. Um, The the Jackie Treehorn doesn't buy it. And suddenly the dude passes out because his drink was drugged. Cue another random drink sequence. That's right, there was multiple sequences where it's just... Awesome. It's cool music, great music and stuff with this weird dream sequence involving bowling usually in the background. Mm-hmm. Um, he gets picked up and beat up by some cops um, that tell him to get out of Malibu. On his way home, we can see for a moment, just it kind of parts to the side and shows that Bunny Lebowski is fine driving a car, her car and is like singing. Um, and he gets home to find out that his house has been trashed by Jackie Treehorn, the person who... Um, abducted him and Maude is there and it's just immediately like hey fuck me and so he's like okay <laughs> and he does oh um, really yeah so Maude Lebowski is just like hey have sex with me um, evidently she just really wanted a child um, which after they, they're having sex she's doing this weird like uh, tuck thing where she's like rocking back and forth and he's like what is that some sort of yoga she's like it increases the chance of inception and he's like increases oh uh, she's like, yeah, I don't. She's like, I just wanted to make sure. I, I wanted to get a, have a child with someone I knew wouldn't want to have any involvement with the kid's life. My gosh. So, uh, so anyway, so she she does reveal also that her father, the Big Lebowski, is actually not loaded at all. That basically she even gives him allowance. Like the, basically, his mom was a successful one, and he's basically uh, just really into stardom and, and fame and has a big bravado, but he's actually broke. Um, so okay. the dude puts it all together and realizes this was all a scheme by Lebowski. Walter and the dude are driving Lebowski, driving to Big Lebowski's house, and the dude is actually giving is giving the big parlor room scene reveal speech, explaining how everything actually happened. Um, you show up at Lebowski's house to find that Bunny was home, and she had just been on vacation. <laughs> It just like went on a random what? vacation and Lebowski thought that Bunny was actually kidnapped. So he used it as an excuse to steal a million dollars because basically he needed to get a million dollars. So he was able to get it from like the uh, reserves or whatever that his family owned, but not him so that he could use it as an excuse and then put it on the dude um, as the person who didn't deliver it successfully. When in actuality, the big Lebowski had the million dollars the whole time. The briefcase he gave them was actually also a phony. Um, so my head hurts. I know it's, it's, it's actually really, really easy to understand if you watch the movie. Um, oh, how dare you? Yeah, it is. Um, so, uh, I've tried. It just doesn't, doesn't it just do, it's you claws just don't do in it. me. So yeah. 
Walter then essentially beats up Lebowski, which is great because uh, he's like, you're not really crippled. Because the funny thing is, is Walter actually called a lot of the stuff early on in the movie, like saying that all this stuff was a joke and these guys are amateurs and everything. And it turns out he was all right in the end, but he was wrong about him not being paralyzed. He really was. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Thinking everything is over now. They're bowling. Uh, but come outside to see three people, the three people who had pretended to kidnap Bunny um, that had kind of abducted and came in with the marmot that one time and threatened to cut off his dick. Saying, mm-hmm. like, we need the money, Lebowski. He's like, they, and t- dude's like, this isn't real. We know everything. Like, she wasn't really kidnapped. Like, she's back and everything's fine. And they're like, okay, well, you still have to give us some money. And Walter, of course, is going full fucking ham and is like, I'll fucking kill you guys. And they're like, bring it. And so Walter ends up throwing a bowling, just chucking this bowling ball and drilling these guys in the stomach and then rips a guy's ear off <gasps> and then oh beats gosh. the shit out of another guy. And then they're like, man down. And they see Donnie's on the ground. And they're like, did he get shot? And they're like, no, he's just having a heart attack. And apparently (laughs) Donnie dies. Oops. There. They cremate him and put him in a coffee can to scatter his ashes into the ocean. Walter scatters them. And the wind blows the majority of Donnie back into the dude's face. (laughs) Which is like, this is like after the movie, basically, the whole plot of the movie is done. They're like, let's just throw this in here. And finally, at peace, um, the dude is uh, preparing for the bowling tournament where they're facing off against Jesus and all of them, um, hoping he can win the tournament, which ends, with, again, with Sam Elliott at the bar um, talking with the dude briefly, and Sam Elliott kind of closes it out, including the line that the dude gives near the end, which is, the dude abides, um, and Sam Elliott takes us out as he took us in. The end. <laughs> the end. Wow. Like it's I said, just, it's a I, lot, I, but it's I, so, it's so, it's like, there's so much in between all of those bits that are, that are so juicy, but those mm-hmm. are just kind of like the main story plot notes. And I probably even missed a lot too. So that's, that's fair. And I, and, 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 and this is why I didn't want to take this movie, even though it's hands down going to be the winner. I, there's so much to love about the movie that I didn't want to do it injustice. A disservice like, because you hate a disservice. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, again, John Goodman, love him. Philip Seymour Hoffman, love him. Steve Buscemi, love him. Julianne Moore, love him. Like all, like Jeff Bridges, on the fence. So that that's okay. probably where that's probably where I, I I curtailed off. But like, it's a. I'm sure it's a great movie. People it is. hate me. We're gonna get death threats now. But well, but but enjoy your two weeks know. off of just death threats. Of just death threats. So, so did you have trivia for this? Just one? a few pieces of trivia that I grabbed okay. at the last second. In the clean version. For television broadcasts, the famous line, this is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the ass, which changed to, this is what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. (laughs) (laughs) I think I knew that. It is frequently cited as one of the most creative edits made for a film to be aired on television. You find um, a stranger in the Alps. Yeah. yeah. With the exception of the dude helping Maude bowl in a fantasy, which there's one of the, those dream sequences where he just, like, helps her, like, throw the ball down the aisle, like, the alleyway. The dude has uh-huh. never actually seen bowling in the entire film. Oh. Which I was even thinking, like, it was pretty much, you just pretty much just see Donnie for the most part whenever they're talking on the bench um, while Donnie's bowling. Uh, John Goodman stated that this is the most fun act, fun show he's ever done, and, and he had the most fun acting in this film, which I can understand because this John is, Goodman said that. Oh yeah, yeah. Because his character, I I will say, I did dress as um, as Walter for Halloween like eleven or twelve years ago because um, it's super oh, easy. You just tie one. a little headband with like a a dark green like uh, yeah. Anyways, it was it was great. And of course, as many of you do know, there is a religious movement based on the dude. The Church of Latter-day Dude. Um, no. Yeah. So, and, and I was going to mention about the reason that a lot of the stuff happened. I think the interesting thing about this was that basically all of these really, really prominent, huge figures that were really intimidating and all these bad things that were happening to the dude, it turned out that basically everybody he encountered was full of shit. Like, nobody <laughs> was who they, they, they appeared to be. Like, it seemed like all these guys were scary and intimidating, and in the end, basically all of them were not at all what they seemed to be. Um, which was interesting. I just thought that was kind of like the way it kind of all brought together at the end. So anyways, Big Lebowski. Bye. There it is. Thank you. Bye. Well, thank you for, for taking that one. And I'm going to take Kingpin now. Um, super runner up here, but let's see. It was released in 96 and honestly a pretty decent lineup with Woody Mm -hmm. Harrelson Bill Murray, Ooh. Randy Quaid, and Vanessa Angel, who I I feel like mm-hmm. I recognized her from other stuff as well, but she's kind of a 
I don't I don't know what you would call her for the 90s, okay. but yeah, set in 1979, Roy Munson, played by Woody Harrelson, is like a master bowler who's just won this major competition against Bill Murray's character named Ernie. And first of all, Bill Murray comes out swinging with this film because he's doing like announcer banter aloud during Roy's shot. And Roy's like, dude, shut up. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm talking out loud. But like he just – it's Bill Murray. Like Bill Murray. He was not in this movie as much as I would have liked, but he was in this movie yeah. enough to be like mm-hmm. – So they end up – let's see. Uh, Roy wins, and then they end up pairing up in order to like swindle some folks at another bowling alley by pretending that they don't know how to bowl and then walking away with like $3,000. So the people that they, they beat – yeah, they swindled. Thank you. End up retaliating by trying to beat everyone up. Ernie, Bill Murray's character, flies the like, like flies the poop right. Beep, he's out, and then they grab um, Roy and take him to the uh, ball return and like mangle his hand, like stick it in his bowling hand and mangle it so that he can never bowl again. So we flash forward seventeen years into the future to see Roy all washed up. He's an alcoholic, oversleeping, and he's living his best life with his hook hand because he has a hook for a hand now in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Everything that's good comes from Scranton, Pennsylvania. Hell yeah! Hell I didn't even realize years. it was Scranton. That's great. That's always a sweet treat whenever you see Scranton show up. You're like, man, Scranton shows up in a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Like they are on. I mean, you'd be like, oh yeah, I'm going there for the office. It's like, what else? Let's say Kingpin, and then like there are at least. There are several other references and like major things that is those are the only ones. So he is always being harassed by his like super yellow teeth landlady, um, who is disgusting, super disgusting. Um, by the way, side note, this is something I did not write down for trivia, but I did read about trivia. They the the actress that played her, she showed up on set fully in character, you know, for or it's not on set, uh, for the audition, Mm -hmm. fully in character, super nasty, and like they couldn't figure out like they were like who is this homeless person that has wandered onto this like who is this person and once they realized that she was auditioning for this they were like we don't need to see anybody else she's the one like you're so gross it's perfect so congratulations to that uh that actress for being the most disgusting so um roy's character ends up he's super behind on rent and so in order to catch up he has to sleep with her and it's god i forgot about that yeah, and he like starts vomiting into the toilet profusely, and she's oh, it's a whole thing. It's a whole I don't know. It's a whole thing, and like also wow, the outfits in this in this movie mm-hmm. are, are very interesting to me. I I enjoyed them quite a bit. So Roy ends up meeting an Amish man named Ishmael, who is an amazing bowler. Can you imagine that? But he doesn't actually want to participate as like he doesn't want to do this because this is like his secret hobby and he's Amish and this is not something he should be doing. Yeah, so it's it's discouraged among his people. Yes. Well hey, you're up in Illinois. There's Amish there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you ever run into them? Not with yeah, your car. I mean but, like, like no you I mean obviously not in the past like five months, but yeah, like I mean you you <laughs> see them the you see them pretty <gasps> frequently. I wonder what the Amish are doing for COVID. Interesting. I'll have to think about that after the show. I mean, show. it's pretty easy for them to isolate. They've got everything else on lock, so. That's true. That's true. Good point. Good point. I have some Googling to do after this. So, um, turns out that in spite of this, Ishmael's family is about to lose their farm to the bank. They're in debt and everything. So, Roy successfully convinces him to give professional bowling a shot as there's like a one million dollar pot bowling tournament in reno nevada that he wants him to go for so i failed to mention that roy has showed up to the amish farm and pretended to be amish in order to get ishmael on board and in this super disgusting scene roy gets up early dressed as an amish person and goes to milk the cows and and, you know brings out this big bucket of milk and he's like i got i got the milk i got up early i did it and they were like we don't have any cows we only have bulls and and, he, and this is as he's taking a big drink from the from the bucket and they were like Ugh. and he just and it's just there are a lot of like really gross out moves in this in the movie and that was one of them another one is uh they ask him to take the shoes off the horse while he talks to ishmael and he comes back and like has removed the hooves like the full hooves of a horse and it's just like oh my gosh what the actual hell so they begin a tour, Ishmael and Roy do, of participating in smaller tournaments and hustling other bowler, bowlers. Uh, and they end up taking a bunch of, like, they just swindle a ton of people. And they end up taking random shit from people who couldn't pony up, including a motorized scooter from an elderly woman. <laughs> so that's pretty good. Um, I would do that, too. So they end up 
bowling with a super wealthy dude named Stanley and they're at his mansion and this is like a, you know, winner takes all kind of situation and they win. Um, and then Stanley challenges them to, to one more game and realizes that Roy's got fake money on hand. So he goes to whoop their ass and, mm. um, they flee, but with, along with them, Stanley's girlfriend, Claudia played by Vanessa Angel. Is that her name? Vanessa Angel? Yeah. Yeah. Play, uh, She's she got whooped up by him too at some point during this this tournament, and so she flees with them. So Claudia is on the road with them, and they end up using her and her giant jugs of doom to distract people during tournaments. So they've got her like in super skimpy dresses, like you know, bending over and and bowling and like you know what was it having the um, hand dryer. From the, I guess I don't know if that's what you call it, but like the hand dryer from the bowling yeah, I know station, like about. blowing up her skirt, mm-hmm. and it's just it's just the whole thing. Um, and so she's there to help distract, and then basically a whole bunch of nonsense shit. Like I mean, this was this movie Kingpin was an hour and fifty three minutes, and I was just like, but why, why? It doesn't need to be quite so many scenes because it seemed like there was just a lot of like filler stuff. scenes, it, yeah, yeah, but like too many of them, right? Mm-hmm. So. A bunch of shit goes down, and they end up in Reno for the big event. They run into Ernie, Bill Murray's character from earlier, who is McCracken. now like, yeah, yeah, he's killing it in the the bowling world, right? And so they get into a spat with Ernie, and Ishmael ends up breaking his hand, um, making him unable to bowl. So they convince Roy that he is the one who needs to be involved in the tournament. Also, at this, I failed to mention that Stanley Claudia's rich ex-boyfriend who beat her up mm-hmm. has shown up and she runs off with the team's money um i don't i don't i don't i don't know so yeah that i, I think i remember that and being like that seemed unrelated random and just like really unfulfilling yes it did and and it just i i, I don't know this was a very frustrating weekend for me because i was like i'll take the big lebowski i don't like this one and then i was like i'll take the kingpin be like I don't like this one. <laughs> it's too <laughs> late. It's too late. I've committed. I've committed twice. Um, so with his rubber prosthet- prosthetic hand, Roy enters the tournament and he's winning until Ishmael's family shows up and convince- takes him back home. So now with Claudia gone and Ishmael gone, Roy is toy- totally alone with his little hook hand. And so he ends up losing the tournament to Ernie by one single pin. Bummer in the summer so roy returns to scranton where claudia shows up and ends up professing her love for roy and apparently he has like a five hundred thousand endorsement from trojan condoms because of his prosthetic hand <laughs> and and they go together so she's like i'm in love with you he's like lol i got 500k from trojan condoms and they go together to ishmael's farm and explain to them that ishmael actually helped them set their lives straight question mark and roy and they got roy to give up drinking i don't i don't know so roy then pays off ishmael's family's debts with his condom check and then he and claudia drive that is away. the best sentence <laughs> pays off their pays debts up. with the condom check yep and then they drive off together and that's kingpin that's the kingpin? end of the so, show a few notes that i did take from trivia okay apparently chris farley was considered for the part of ishmael but he was in the middle of filming Black Sheep, and that derailed those plans, probably yep. for the best for Chris Farley. Yeah. Although, I don't know if Black Sheep was a huge hit, but it um, certainly was no, probably better like, than Keenan. Yeah, like, in retrospect, like, it, it would have been a weird thing to have him as, like, a side character, but, like, I could yeah. see him playing that character. They wanted, I believe I heard, was it they wanted Jim Carrey for Roy or Ernie? They wanted Jim Carrey for one of the roles, too. I, it was on the trivia. Hold on, I've got the trivia up right now. Where was it, Jim Carrey? Jim Carrey. He won. They wanted him to play Ernie. I see. I Would see. have increased the budget a considerable amount. In '97, yeah, tremendously. So, or '96, is that what I said? '96. Mm-hmm. So, um, there's a scene where Bill Murray's character Ernie is bowling three strikes in a row. Okay, and apparently, according to the trivia, those were all bill murray's actual genuine shots wow. and the reactions from the audience were genuine they were like yeah. oh my gosh so go bill murray you're amazing at everything that you do and finally bill murray ad-libbed most of the lines for the movie as he typically does and of course they preferred his stuff over what was the written. original so, yeah yeah so that's i mean that's kingpin certainly two bowling movies one has an entire cult like actual religion literal based cult on it now and literal cult on it and the other one is is kingpin <laughs> so 
That's the court case. I expect I you handed me on a silver platter the winning yeah. court like, case, and I said no, thank you. I want instant pudding. Thanks. I don't think anyone else is keeping score, but I think I've won seven of the last eight, maybe something like that, five or six or something like that. I know You've won you won. It's just like been it's just been a killing spree, and I'm just like Lisa needs a win <laughs> so bad. That's fine. Hard pass. You can have it. She just so. gave it to me. So. That's fine. Guys, thank you so much again for sticking around for a wonderful episode of 90s Court. Again, uh, if you guys didn't catch the end of the first half, we are going to be taking a couple weeks break at uh, the end of Season 2, and we'll be bringing back Season 3 starting in a couple weeks. Um, in the meantime, where to find us? Why don't you check us out at 90s Court on Facebook and Twitter. That's where you're going to vote and tell us which one you think is the best. Um, you can check us out at, at 90s.court on Instagram. Check us out at 90s Court on Patreon. Um, again, if you're wanting to get some content in the meantime while we're off, we do have a lot of bonus content on there, and we'll be recording some more in the next couple weeks. Uh, again, that's patreon.com slash 90s Court. And lastly, as we mentioned before, we really, really appreciate all of your five-star rating and reviews on iTunes. So if you can leave us one there, it would be greatly appreciated. It might be right on a future episode. Perfect. So anyways, Lisa, any parting remarks before we depart? I'll miss you guys. I don't know what I'm going to do with myself during I, these two weeks. I miss Maybe you Maybe so eat much. a lot of chocolate. I miss you so much, it hurts. I, I miss you already. Um, yeah, we'll miss you guys. Have a wonderful few weeks. Have Get a wonderful early August. <laughs> early August. It's, it's it's now like hell, hell fire pit hot in Texas now, mm. so... Um, yeah, enjoy that shit. So I'll miss you guys. See you in a few weeks Peace for episode out. 49. So have a good one. Stay rad. Peace.